This is the Biblical Mind Podcast, produced by the Center for Hebraic Thought. Honest five-star reviews help others find this podcast. Visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org for articles and videos that explore the deep structures of Scripture. Why aren't why aren't we just talking about Israelites? Why are we talking about uh, Jews today? Why are we talking about Jesus was a Jew and we talk about our Jewish friends in the same sentence? What do we mean by those terms? This is one of the most complicated questions, I think, in in biblical in biblical scholarship and also in just understanding the Bible as a basic reader. Uh, and and part of it is that you've got a lot of history that you have to kind of work through to understand what these terms refer to. So you actually have a lot of biblical scholarship and a lot of even beyond biblical scholarship. This is sort of filtered into general uh, sort of general received knowledge hmm. uh, is that when, when someone says Jew, the, that the term Jew is actually uh, that it was like a slur initially. Mm. That this was a, uh, a a term that was an outsider term to refer to the people of Israel, to Israelites who mm. preferred being called Israelites and 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 all of this, but outsiders referred to them as Jews, and it stuck for whatever reason. And then it was sort of adopted as a concession to outside uh, outside use, to outsider use, and mm. um. This is this was a a view that really was popularized in the late 1930s, uh, and I mean it, it it didn't it was not invented there, but it was really popularized in the late 1930s uh, it, in the article on the terms Israel uh, Israel or Israelite Jew and Hebrew in the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Hmm. Uh, now, this is this was a a, a dictionary that was written in Germany in the late 1930s. And the author yeah. of this article- There's some historical out, context to this. Yeah, the author of this article, as it turns out, was one of the first thousand people to join the Nazi Sturmabteilung, the uh, the you know storm detachment. And he's a guy that used to teach on rabbinic Judaism. I, I discovered uh, a testimony from one of his old students that he used to teach on rabbinic Judaism while wearing an SA uniform with uh, the with the honor dagger uh, with an inscription from you know the head of the SA, you know one of the one of Hitler's right hand men, um, tinkling at his side, and you know this was <laughs> teaching rabbinic that, Judaism. Yeah, teaching rabbinic Judaism, wearing a Nazi uniform. Um, okay, so that kind of gives you the context, and so you know he he reflects on this, and in that entry he says you know. Well, you know, Israel is the insider term that the people prefer themselves, but, you know, Jew is the outsider term that carried a kind of depreciatory nuance. Hmm. And the interesting thing is a number of scholars since then have, you know, looked and looked in, in ancient evidence to try to locate where the evidence for any sort of depreciatory element to the term Jew happens to be. And they didn't find it. Nobody's found it. And it's like, well, that's weird. Can I ask a question? Because I think the relevance, because I, I, I think I see where you're going, but 
I could imagine someone in this school who's teaching New Testament would also then look at, I don't know, the Gospel of John and then see all of those statements about the Jews as therefore necessarily derogatory outsider terms. Christians are the outsiders uh, talking about um, the Jews. That's difficult to sustain, though, because Jesus himself says salvation is from the Jews, right. and Jesus himself <laughs> is identified as a Jew. Right. Why do you, a Jew, speak to me, a Samaritan? Right. For Jews do not have dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus is, is a Jew as well and, and, mm. and claims that. You know, he calls himself that. So it doesn't work quite like that. And so anyway, you, you, can, you can search through all of this ancient language, pre-Christian ancient, or, uh, ancient evidence, and you don't find any evidence for a depreciatory nuance to Jew. You do find it in the 1930s in Germany, though. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so when they say the Jews in Germany in the 1930s, they really do mean something very different by that term. Yeah. And so it turns out, and this is, this is what I discovered, is that, you know, essentially the explanation here is that uh, K.G. Kuhn, who is the author of this article, essentially extrapolated based on his own context that this is how these terms must have been differentiated in the ancient world. Hmm. And it, it turns out not to hold water. Yeah. So that that's where a lot of this confusion comes from, is that this okay. has become sort of the default. So to, to, to answer your question more fully, it requires a little bit of historical understanding. And that mm. is, Jew ultimately comes from the word Judah. Mm. You know, Yehudaios in, in, in Greek, Yehudim, in, or uh, Yehudai in um in uh, in Hebrew or Aramaic, you get you know these these various terms that that all are cognates with Judah, and we actually see in Jeremiah the first uses of these terms in the period immediately preceding right. the the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians, and then immediately after, where it's talking about the uh, the Jews in Judah. These and they're usually called Judeans or mm. Judahites at that point in. Uh, in the Bible, but these are the terms that are, that, that are, that are actually used. Uh, and so ultimately we, we say, wait, so that means Judahite. Oh, well, wait a second. Now, if you, if you notice, you can go back further in the Bible and you find that there's always a distinction between Judah and Israel, right? Right. You know, in terms of the two kingdoms. And then of course that gets further confused because Judah and Israel get united as parts of a larger group called Israel. Right. <laughs> so this is what makes it so confusing is that yeah. Israel is both the 12 tribe group that includes Judah and the 10 tribe group that doesn't include Judah. And so Judah, Judah is Israelites in one sense. And then there are Israelites who are not from Judah. So they're not Jews. And this is true throughout the whole Hebrew Bible. And then that carries forward in the way that these terms get used after the fact. So once you get into the exilic period, uh, essentially you have groups from that derived from the Southern kingdom of Judah that are called Jews because that's what they were. That's where they were from. They were from Judah. And then lots of people go back to Judah and, uh, and actually there were still people who had been from, you know, who had derived their stock was from Israelite stock who still lived in the North and some of whom had moved around and all of this. But I mean, this is where the Samaritans came from and they didn't call themselves Samaritans. They called themselves Israelites hmm. because they were from Israel. 
And it, uh, it's one of those things where you find that in that during the period of, uh, of the second temple period, you, what you find is Israelite usually when it's referred to from the outside refers to the Samaritans, hmm. but Jews, a lot of times weren't quite so keen on granting Israelite granting that the, that the Samaritans were actually like real Israelites, right. uh, the real Israelites are out there somewhere in exile somewhere. Um, and so you get this, this identification of people from Judah as Jews who are also Israelites in as much as Judah is a part of Israel. They're under the sort of umbrella of the 12 tribes, but then you also have the phenomenon of Israelite means a larger group that then Jews. So there are non-Jewish Israelites by definition, always throughout this period. And then it just, it becomes more and more complicated the further forward you get. And then by the time you get to 1948, you have a new nation called Israel. And right. you know, now it's even more confusing because, you know, <clears throat> Israelis are not Israelites, right. but they are Jews. <laughs> can't be anything called a Jew um, like in, in, in any language prior to the kind of conceptual separation of Judah from Israel in some way and Jew Jewish or you know, let's say Judahite is the term can both mean a region but it, it can also mean like Benjaminites who live in Judah and uh, Ephraimites and Simeonites and other, other people who kind of live in that region um, and by the time you get to the exile, gone out and come back. Now, this is the question um, that I think complicates it for me is, is it just the Judahites that come back uh, from Babylon? Like, are there mixed tribes that come back from Babylon who are now Judahites regionally and therefore can be called Jews? I think we need a Venn diagram here at some point. <laughs> I've <laughs> I'm got sure you've made book one. on this, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so... We, we want to think about – if we want to talk about everybody who has been considered a Hebrew from the beginning of time, according to the biblical text, we would say Israel, right? Is that, is yeah, that fair? Yeah, although there – I mean, you could you could argue – I mean, if you go all the way to the beginning in terms of what Hebrew oh, might have meant, yeah. right? I mean, and then by the time you get to the second temple period, Hebrew becomes a, like a linguistic marker. It right, marks out language, someone, yeah. Marks out someone who speaks Hebrew or Aramaic. Okay. Uh, so – that even gets complicated. It, it gets really, really hard to be, uh, to be, to be broad in this. Right. But yeah. So getting to the question of the, of the return, uh, this is actually, this is interesting because if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, they're actually, it's, they use Israel as a term, like the people of Israel, but they're also pretty specific and pretty explicit that, with a few exceptions, only the people of Levi, Judah, and Benjamin actually return. Mm -hmm. And it's only a small group of people from right. Levi, Judah, and Benjamin. There are a couple there, there are a couple references to people from I think it was Ephraim that show yeah. up in there. Yeah. But essentially the majority of the other tribes are just missing in yeah. Ezra and Nehemiah. Though you could argue that there's, you know, pretty decent components of those tribes that are represented in the enemies of the Jews. So the people from Samaria with Sanballat and the rest, those people are almost certainly of Israelite stock hmm. who are opposing those who would, you know, rebuild and regain power in Jerusalem for precisely the kind of regional 
rivalry that that mm. was there before the exile. So in Ezra and Nehemiah, what you find is a return of select few from more or less three tribes, from the three southern tribes who then are Jews. They're, they're from Judah. And this, by the way, is what Josephus says when he, uh, Josephus in, in uh, Jewish antiquities uses Israel quite a bit right up until the exile. And then once he starts talking about uh, the, 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 the exilic period, he says, oh, I'm now, I'm now shifting to another term. He starts using uh, Eudaios, which is the term for Jew, and he gives an explanation. He, he only uses that term 28 times before the first 10 books of the Antiquities. Then he uses it a total of 1188 times across all of his stuff, as opposed to Israel, which is the reverse. It, it's only used prior to book 11. Uh, so he says from the time they went up to Babylon, they were called by this name Jew after the tribe of Judah. And since that tribe was the prominent one to come from those parts, both the people in the country have taken their name from it. Mm. So it was the prominent tribe, but not the only tribe. And then Josephus also makes it clear that he's talking about three tribes of Judah. So, uh, and that being Levi, Benjamin and, and Judah. So you can talk about Benjaminites as Jews as well, which is confusing. Right. And Levites as Jews as well, but not so easily like people from Asher or Gad or right. Naphtali. Like when you read the book of Tobit, Tobit is not called a Jew. He's called an Israelite from Tobit or mm. from, from Naphtali. Yeah. And Tobit is all about a non-Jewish Israelite tribe that was scattered by the Assyrians before the Babylonian exile of Judah. And it's, you know, basically giving, you know, talking about how there's, how God has still preserved even those prior non-Jewish Israelites somewhere out there in exile. So that when this restoration of all Israel, this is, you know, the 12 tribes that include Naphtali and the rest, when that happens, God has, has people set aside for it. You know, that seems to be a big part of what's going on in, in, in uh, Tobit. And again, he's not called a Jew. He's called an Israelite because he's not Jewish but he is Israelite. And so that, that actually, again, it's, it's easy to confuse, but I think it's actually important distinctions that, that, that end up mattering a lot when you start looking at, especially at later second temple texts. Yeah. It's cause it's not like these people didn't have a vested interest in disambiguating some, some of them from each other. Right. Um, like some of them did not want to be confused with others. Uh, I, I was just recalling back uh, Anna and Luke, is it Luke 2? Anna of the tribe it, of Asher. Ash of the tribe of Asher. So she's not identified as Jew or Israelite, uh, but it's just the tribe of Asher. And it's one of those like, wait, they survived? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, okay. it's, it's a very, very strange thing because you don't see any other reference to the tribe of Asher like that in any other literature from the period. Hmm. So it's a very strange bit, but it matters for Luke because, and this is where Isaac Oliver has done some really interesting work on Luke Acts showing that Luke is really concerned with the restoration of all 12 tribes. Mm. And so you get, you know, emphasis on the Samaritans who tie, uh, tie themselves back to the Joseph tribes from the mm. North. Uh, you get uh, Anna from the, from the tribe of Asher. You get a lot of these different things in, uh, in Luke Acts that attest to this continued concern for an Israelite rather than just a Judahite uh, restoration that he sees Jesus as, initiating as, as, as bringing about. Yeah. So, 
I, I think just historically speaking, and this is always very dicey, but if we want to say, um, and I have Jewish friends who will say casually, like Moses was a Jew, you know, but like, of course, because he was a Jew. And I'm always like, well, <laughs> like arrested development. Yeah. Was he? <laughs> uh, him? Uh, he was a Hebrew um, involved in the Israelite project. I mean, like you got to like start dancing around at this point to make it. Um, he has a contiguous connection to the people who we would eventually call the Jews. Um it, yeah, and so I think it, it's very hard for people who don't know the history uh, to disambiguate in their own mind, like, where where are we talking about Israelites? Where are we talking about Jews? And then you read the New Testament, you realize, okay, they're calling them by various names, but are these all the same people? So when G, when we, you know, when we talk about the Jewishness of Jesus, uh, you know, what is important about that assertion that Jesus was a Jew, uh, given everything that you've just said? How would you slice and dice the claim that Jesus was a Jew? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, Jesus very clearly is a Jew in all all the Gospels and uh, uh, across the New Testament uh, witness. And uh, and so you have uh, really no way, you know, that, that that's important enough that it's emphasized. As right. I said in Gospel of John, where otherwise you might think Jew is a negative right. thing, right? Turns out it's awfully positive in this case. Right. John se- seems to think Jesus is uh, is pretty important, and Jesus is explicitly identified as a Jew and says salvation comes from the Jews. And and actually, this is where you may not be able to identify Moses as a Jew per se. You know, if you're being precise, but you could potentially identify David mm. as a Jew because David is a king from Judah. Right. And he's a Judahite king who becomes king over all Israel. And he's actually king of Judah for seven years before he's king of the, over the rest of Israel. Hmm. So, um, and Jesus is in all the gospels portrayed and, and, and importantly portrayed as a descendant and heir of David for over the throne that is set aside for a Judahite king from someone from David's line through whom God has promised to redeem the world is the idea. So in that sense, Jesus' Jewishness is fundamental to his identity as Lord or as King, as part of this, uh, as, as part of bringing the kingdom of God, which I think the kingdom of God is in large measure wrapped up with this restoration of the kingdom of Israel, mm. all of Israel, you know, David's kingdom includes all 12 tribes. That's the kingdom of God ruling through the new David. If Jesus is the Davidic Messiah, then he's, he's gotta be a Jew. Uh, and beyond that, uh, you know, the, the central Jewishness, once you get to the, uh, what that means in terms of Torah observance and all of those other aspects, that's also really important throughout the New Testament, not pr- hmm. not exactly because it's just about Jewishness, but because that because Jews, just like all Israelites, share in the responsibility of the covenant and are given the grace of the covenant, which is the the Torah itself, the instruction from God, and all of this that they're to live by. And so, for Jesus as a Jew to be a part of this covenantal context, he has to behave. As, uh, Jewishly, as it were, in, 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 as they're in their role as a part of Israel. So all of that is wrapped up together and it's of fundamental importance for, mm. uh, for Christianity, for Jesus to be 
Jewish and to be thoroughly Jewish and to observe what is proper for uh, and, and as a as a Jew, as a part of the covenant with Israel, so I think that there's just that is just really important. And it's almost impossible to overstate how important that is mm. within the within the uh, the the New Testament and earliest layers of Christianity. So since I have you here and you're an expert in this, I'll ask you a few like uh, drop in passages because I know you've thought about them. Um, you know, so why don't we, why don't we call or didn't they call Jesus the King of the Israelites? Um, <sighs> I mean, I know why in that context of that, you know, the King of the Jews, uh, it's to mock him, and that was the group they were mocking at that point. But is there a sense in which we should call him the King of the Israelites in our own thinking, or that would be the more appropriate category? Well, I think both would apply if he's the king, if, if he is the, if he's the, the, the heir of David, if he is the rightly appointed ruler of Israel, he's also the king of the okay. Jews as well. Right. So, I mean, so that, that, that line pushes out to the 12, the 12 scattered is also right. the 12 that bring the, the scattered, bring the nations in, which, so by points of contact, being the king, the Davidic king makes him like the king of the universe in some way. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way that this works. And of course, you know, for, for, uh, from the perspective of Pontius Pilate, yeah, I mean these are the these are the Jews, these are the people from Judah that I'm mocking. So I'm gonna yeah. you know make him their king. This is your king, right? Right. So from his perspective, that's what's going on. And I suspect actually the uh, the authors of the gospel would have preferred for him to put the king of Israel hmm. on there, um, which would have been even more convenient for them. But uh, but I, I I suspect that you know there's a historical kernel to this that you know. It strikes me as exactly the sort of thing that uh, that a Roman governor would would do. So I think that's where that probably comes from. Okay, and then the other passage my mind leaps to is is Paul saying, "You now are the Israel of God, right? So <laughs> not the Jews of God. Um, so what do you think the significance of him choosing that term is there? Well, he that that uh, verse, if I remember it correctly, says, "Peace be upon uh, all who." Uh, observe this rule and upon the Israel of God. Right. Uh, now, there are a few difficulties with this passage. Number one is that that Israel of God implies that there might be another Israel, which right. is a little weird. Right. Right. I mean, to to uh, to have a like the Israel of ha- Keith. There's the yeah Israel, <laughs> Israel that's of Baal. That's a strange. Yeah. That's a strange thing, and I think the 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 opposite of this actually. He elsewhere says, "Consider Israel according to the flesh," mm. uh, and so I think he's differentiating that. Uh, that and he he there refers to something that is uh, that is specific to the Torah and what what's supposed to be done in the temple. So I think he's differentiating there between like Israel in the, uh, you know, sort of. In the Bible and in, in in his Bible and in the you know general lineal descent thing of which Jews would be included but would not be the sum total of hmm. uh, versus the Israel of God who I think he is differentiating there the idea of uh, I- the Israel or the Israelites who are part of the cho- of the remnant that ultimately is going to be obedient and is going to you know pass through the judgment. Uh, rightly, so I think there, Israel represents this. You know, the the those who are saved by 
the uh, by through the the restoration of Israel that I think Paul is, is imagines himself to be preaching. I mean, I think that's what he says when he, when he talks about Romans nine to eleven. I don't think he's seeing uh, the salvation of Israel in Romans eleven twenty six as something that's you know reserved for way 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 in the future. I think he sees himself as his ministry is yeah. directly contributing to this restoration. And I think those who are receiving the spirit, which is a big part of the promise. If, if you read uh, uh, Ezekiel 36 together with Jeremiah 31, and Paul is not the only person to do those, to put those two things together, but he does put those two things together uh, in second Corinthians three and arguably in uh, Romans two, he puts those things together. Uh, then what you have is Israel is promised the spirit Hmm. Uh, of uh, this special, you know, they're promised a, a spiritual uh, reconfiguration or transformation to make them obedient. And the reason that that's important is the reason that Israel got scattered to begin with is because of disobedience. So you can't re regather disobedient Israel or they're just going to get scattered again. And so hmm. the promise of the prophets is God's going to regather you at, you know, in, in order to facilitate that, he's actually going to make you an obedient and transformed people. So for Paul, all those, I think, that are actually receiving the Spirit, I think reception of the Spirit is, for Paul, a marker that you've, you're you an Israelite. You've become an Israelite, and now you are a part of the Israel of God. And you can see this in some other places where, you know, he's he's saying, you know, and, and also in, in Ephesians, if you think that's Paul, and some, many, many don't, but uh, uh, it's at least Pauline where you have, you know, the notion of, well, before you were not citizens, now you are citizens uh, and citizens of what? Well, of the commonwealth of Israel. Mm. Uh, and so, but it's a heavenly Israel as he's, you know, a heavenly Jerusalem, as he says in Galatians. So I think this is what, what he's doing with that Israel of God, where it's all those who have received the spirit that was promised specifically to Israel and to Judah uh, and as a part of their restoration and so that makes that marks them out as the remnant that is God's Israel, as it were. Okay, final. That's good. <laughs> it's really helpful. I mean, what I'm hearing, I have one final example, but um, is we want to say Israel seems to be the more totalizing term, but not always, because sometimes it's going to refer to Samaritans. <laughs> sometimes it's going to refer to the Northern Territory. Um, and uh, Jew is a subset, and then there's some negotiation about how, how these things fit together. And I know you said Hebrew is more linguistic, but obviously I think most of us are going to think of Paul, or at least Luke's Paul in the book of Acts, who gives his bona fides by saying, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, right? Uh, so why does he choose Hebrew there? Well, uh, so this is, so Luke's Paul doesn't, so that's actually, um, that's actually he says Hebrew of Hebrews in in one of the letters. So oh sorry sorry am I uh, mixing this? So yeah. yeah this is so he I'm he's mixing the tribe his, of Benjamin comment with the Hebrew of Hebrews I think yeah so uh, in, in in the letter here he's he's talking about um, uh, this is in Philippians Philippians three he's he's listing out like his as you say his bona fides and he you know he says you know I'm you know, Clem de la Clem, I'm, I'm, I'm at the very peak of what it is to be qualified in all of these respects, circumcised on the, on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, notice, mm. 
of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's actually, he chooses to label himself by tribe and by the larger hmm. umbrella that includes the 12 tribes, but doesn't actually label himself as a Jew in this case, because hmm. he's, he's identifying with Benjamin. Um, though again, Benjamin in other contexts could right. be seen. So this can't, is where it gets complicated. Be Jewish. Yep. Yeah. And then Hebrew of Hebrews. And this is where he says, Hebraeus ex Hebraion. Oh, so Alta, a Hebrew, okay. a Hebrew from yeah. Hebrews. And this is, uh, and I'm not the only one to to conclude this, but uh, but I think it's very very clear that this is a marker of saying, look, I can read Torah in Hebrew. I I mm. I grew up a native Semitic speaker to parents speaking a Semitic language in the home. So whether that's Hebrew or Aramaic, he's saying like, I'm not just some Greek speaker out here in the diaspora. I grew up, I grew up speaking Hebrew and or, or Aramaic. And so I'm qualified in this respect. Uh, and that's why it goes Israelite, Benjaminite, and then it goes to language to where, like, I, I know this stuff. Hmm. And that's why it's Hebrew from Hebrews. He's not, this is not a, a, a um, superlative. He's not saying, like, I'm the best of all the right. Hebrews. <laughs> He's saying, I, I, I'm a native speaker. Hmm. I was born to Hebrew-speaking parents. And so this is what I grew up speaking in the home. Hmm. Uh, and so that is, uh, a, a little bit of a, a, a different, uh, thing than it's often, it's often read differently, uh, especially in, in Christian contexts where it's like, Paul was the Hebrew of the Hebrews. Like he was the, he was the, you know, the most Jewish of them yeah. all sort of thing. And that's not what he's saying at all, but he is listing out his qualifications. And I think that's part of like, look, I really know Torah. Hmm. I really know this stuff. And I think that's, that's what he's doing there. Well, wow, that, that. I knew you would come and deliver on that one. So that, that actually makes a ton of sense. Um, I think if people are interested in this, because I think we have some nerds that listen to this podcast that really <laughs> are digging into this and they're listening to this saying, I want more. Um, you do have a book, The Idea of Israel and Second Temple Judaism, A New Theory of People, Exile, and Israelite Identity, um, which has been getting kudos all over the place in the academic world. So uh, I know it's good. I have obviously not read it yet, but it, as you noted creepily from the picture I posted on Twitter, <laughs> it is on my to read uh, stack over here to the right. So uh, thank you, Dr. Jason Staples, for walking us through this crazy topography of Jewish and Israelite and Hebrew and uh, helping us to. I think be a little bit more careful in how we uh, slice and dice the terms being used in the New Testament period. Thanks so much for the invitation. This was really fun. You've been listening to the Biblical Mind Podcast, exploring the deep structures of Christian scripture. For more, visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org. Subscribe to this podcast at all the usual places so you never miss an episode.